there are a lot of different things and they just kind of jump even this even this section that we're talking about where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he talks about the believers the disbelievers the munafiqeen and this is immediately followed by what? you guys know? Before, a little bit before that it's immediately followed by the story of creation <laughs> so you, you know and, and we'll talk about some you know we'll, we'll talk about some of the connections here but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you find that the subject is changing the topics keep changing you know, in, in one surah, this is just one surah. And up until this point, has there been any discussion of a Baqarah? Has there been any discussion of, of, of a cow? No, not, not at all. There's nothing up until this point that is, or even indicative of that. There's nothing even to indicate that, you know, there's, there's something about a cow that's going to be coming up. And had we continued along these, these lines or along this discussion, you would think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would spend more time, you know, discussing maybe some of the believers, you know, just to bring it back, or some of the disbelievers, or go into more depth concerning the munafiqeen, how to avoid some of their trials, how to avoid some of these tribulations. This, this is the natural flow of thought when we deal with these things. But we, we don't find that. We don't find that in the Qur'an. We find a lot of topic changes, we find a lot of topic jumps. And in such a short book, right, in a, in a relatively short book, Again, for the same reason, which is what? I'm sorry? To keep our intention and to keep our interest. Because as human beings, you know, we know, what, what do they say is the average, uh, the average amount of time that the human has the ability to focus? That seems like 40 minutes or something, you know, may, maybe even less well, than no, that. Less is, I think it's less. For it's less now. <laughs> Well, actually, keep well, it like 40 seconds. You keep 40 seconds. No, no, no. For teenagers, it's actually 10 seconds or less. <laughs> actually, that's why the Snapchat thing is only 10 seconds oh, for that purpose. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's some type of algorithm that they there develop for, for that. But, I mean, so, like, even if we say an individual who is sitting down by himself trying to focus, we'll, we'll give him 20 minutes, right? We'll give him 20 minutes that he's able to maintain, uh, he maintain this focus. We'll find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he understands the nature of his creation because he is ultimately the one that, that created them. And he's the one that knows them. And this is why you'll find a lot of this jumping around or a lot of these seemingly uh, unrelated topics. But all of, the, all of these things are related and we'll talk a little bit about the transitions and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala re relates one section to the next. So going back to our initial question, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but Surely they are, them, are the ones causing corruption. So this, this emphasis, there, there are three emphases that are placed on this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he places, places three emphases on this. Why go through the trouble of, and, and the reason that we had that whole long discussion was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is maintaining brevity, he's keeping it short. But why apply so many emphases in this place, in this spot? And relate it back to our discussion of what it is that we're discussing now and what we're flowing in now. The three groups, right? Um, the three groups of people. Possibility. That's definitely a possibility. What else? When you're dealing with individuals who, and, and what are some of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, implicitly apply, implies about these individuals, about the hypocrites? What are some things that we mentioned? They lie, right? Uh, not, not just that they lie, but they continuously lie, right? They lie time and time again. What else did we say about that? That they tend to be cowardly. <coughs> cowardly. They tend to be um, 
I, no, well, mischievous maybe that might not be the right, but like malicious yeah. would be a little bit uh, would be a little bit of a better word. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He implicitly says all of these things about these individuals, and that's why it's so necessary to place this emphasis concerning them to make sure that they understand, to make sure that they know that they are actually the ones causing this mischief and this corruption. I'll wait for everyone else to taste it. <laughs> so, and, and then it, what, is, what else is something to note here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the word he uses to describe them. He says, He doesn't say that. He says, He's describing them and he's using a noun to actually categorize these people. Calling them mufsidun. He's not saying the people who make fasad, not the people who make corruption, but he's saying that if we use a literal translation, they are the corruptors. They are the corruptors. How does that help us understand this? And how does that help us put some of these things into context? They're the cause of the problem. Okay, they're the cause of the problem. But why doesn't Allah say that these are the individuals that that do corruption? Instead of saying they're the corruptors. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he describes these individuals and he he labels them saying that these are the corruptors. Why is that how does that change the meaning versus the ones Saying Alladina Yufsidun and the ones that, that corrupt or the cause corruption. What is the difference between these two things? Is it supposed to be in the current state? Okay, so what did we say is the difference in Arabic between the verb and the noun? One is going to be current and always current, or future older ones of the time. One is going to be related to time, right? There's going to be a time and a action. Versus the noun, we don't associate what with it? We don't associate a time with it. Meaning that that thing is always going to be, not, not always happened, but that person has now been described and has been stamped with this label. Or it could be that person or those people. Or those people, I mean, in this situation, those people. Yeah. Right? Is it to. Mufsidun, it's plural. No, I'm saying those people, is it still um, the hypocrites or we got to the. A different no, we're still. No, we're, we're still. We're not. We're not moving that quickly. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has now stamped and labeled these individuals, saying that they are the corruptors, meaning that it is part of their. Right. It's, it's it's not a part of them. Right. It's part of them. It's part of their heart. It's part of their character trait that these individuals, they are corruptors and they cause this corruption. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ends this ayah with this something similar that He had mentioned before. وَلَكِنْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ Though they do not realize. So if we, if we look at this entirety, or the entirety of the verse from the beginning to the end, it is just re-emphasizing point <coughs> after point after point to clarify to them and to clarify to who? The Muslims. That what? 
right, that these individuals are inherently corrupt. Why mention that? It's, like, it's almost like it's a lost cause. It's almost like it's a lost cause that you know you can keep trying because even the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu does anybody know what the situation between him and Abdullah ibn Ubayy ibn Sulul, what had happened? When he died. When Abdullah ibn Ubayy ibn Sulul, when he died, what happened? Hmm? Right, so the Prophet, so his son came to the Prophet and he said, my father passed away. And he himself was a Muslim. He himself was not a Munafiq. And he said to the Prophet Muhammad he said, Ya Rasulullah, can we, can we wrap him can we do his kafan in your in your rida? Can we use your upper upper garment to, to wrap my father? And why? Huh? It was his father, right? It was his father. That we, that's concerning him. But why ask the Prophet some for his his particular garment? Right. It's it's a way like you know I, I want I want this barakah I want this blessing to reach to reach my father. So please. So what did the Prophet some do? He gave it to him. And he also asked him to what? Pray. To pray on him. So then what did the Prophet do? He prayed on him. He prayed yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what what did what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say at that point? He revealed the ayah. Revealed. Uh, he, yes, he and even if you sought even if you sought uh, mercy for him or forgiveness for him 70 times yeah. it would not be accepted it says uh, let me just bring up the high real quick but that that is the situation with Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Sulul. So, how does that relate to our discussion here? Is it the same concept of like, um, even though they repented like seven times or something like that? So, th- this, is, this is, this is, I was thinking, it says, استغفر لهم أو لا تستغفر لهم إن تستغفر لهم سبعين مرة فلن يغفر الله لهم ذلك بأنهم كفروا بالله ورسوله والله لا يهدي القوم الفاسقين that whether you seek repentance for them or not and even if you did it 70 times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive them and that is because they disbelieved in Allah and they disbelieved in his Messenger, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not guide a disobedient people. So, this emphasis is probably for who? And this emphasis is probably directed toward who? Hypocrites. Huh? For the hypocrites, yes, but they don't believe it anyway. So, who, who more so? Which believe? Huh? With the Prophet Muhammad why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put that emphasis in that discussion toward the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Because he's willing to do anything. Right, because he's willing, he's, he wants good for everyone. Yeah. And he wants, he has this hope for everyone. 
that they have some type of forgiveness, that there is some type of salvation for them. Huh? The Jewish. Uh, oh, the Jewish woman. Oh, his Jewish neighbor. Yeah, when he died and uh-huh. he, he gets stabbed and he feels sorry because like. Say, yeah. Are so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the there's like, all these things. I mean, the, yeah, the Prophet yeah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, like he, you know, he would, he would get upset over these things, you know, and he, he wants salvation for the entirety of the Ummah. In, in just imagine, you know, and it's very important to always keep this in context and always keep this in perspective. These individuals now, they're praying with him. These individuals now, some of them might be, have been given sadaqah, maybe some of them fought alongside with him. How will he feel? You know, how, how would he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Even if Allah told him Even if Allah told him specifically That this is a munafiq and this is a munafiq, this is a munafiq. It's, it's very difficult for an individual It's very difficult for an individual Even if you know him inside right? Even if you know what's going on inside You know, you, you're, you're looking at this person And you're like, he prays with me You know what I mean? Like, he, he prays with me I have a friend of mine He's, yeah. uh-huh. he's my best friend yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy is very uh-huh. Uh-huh. old yeah, and I feel sorry. And you feel you don't, you, and you just feel bad. You want to do something, right? You you want to do something, and and just imagine. And this is what we think about, you know, friends or colleagues and so on. Just imagine someone maybe whose whose father's not Muslim, mother's not Muslim, brother, sister. Some some people they're married, you know, they're they're married and they accept Islam, and their spouse doesn't accept Islam. Like how how torn are these individuals? How torn are these people when when they do that? So just multiply that and put it in the place of the Prophet Muhammad And all of a sudden this verse, it becomes much clearer and it becomes much more apparent on why it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting emphasis after emphasis after emphasis in, in a very simple you know, way to the Prophet Muhammad Like these, these individuals are a lost cause. These individuals are a lost cause. And them with their corruption, them with even with this corruption, the other problem that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he because he doesn't stop there. He says, Allah mufsidun. And then just he doesn't stop there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he doesn't stop the verse there. He says, But they do not realize it. What is this piece of information adding to us and what are we benefiting from? Understand their mindset, right? They're, that their corruption is so deep that they don't even realize that this is a problem. They, they don't even realize like this. This is an issue. That corruption is so complete. It's so complete that they don't even realize that this is a problem. So even if I came to them and I told them I was like, "Hey, you have this problem," what are they going to say? What are you talking about? Hey, what are you talking about? I don't. I don't see a problem. I don't. I don't see an issue. They're just completely blinded. They're so corrupt that they're just completely blinded from, from the truth. That, and that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, he's just, this is another way of emphasizing the same message. It's another way of emphasizing the same message. That not only are they corrupt, what is the next level after that? Without even, they're so corrupt, they, they, don't, they, don't, they, just, they believe what they're doing is corrupt. Right? right? And everything that they're doing is right. And, and many of the scholars, this is it, this is like a, a tangentially related issue. Many of the scholars talk about ignorance in the same way. 
They talk about ignorance in the same way and they try to relate ignorance in the same way. Saying that there are two types of ignorance. There are two types of ignorance. There's, there's simple ignorance and there's compound ignorance. What do you guys think the difference is? I'm sorry? It, it is complicated, but how? How can you complicate ignorance? Yeah. Okay. So you make something very simple, mm -hmm. you make it into a, a very, very vague. Okay, how, how would you do that? So, for example, um, just knowing the truth that mm -hmm. Prophet is the messenger, in this case. Yeah. But then you go out your way to mm -hmm. become a Muslim, Yeah. but then deceive, lie, cheat. And you just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And then maybe pull people on the side and stop themselves who's not Okay, I mean, you, you guys are on the right path concerning the verses specifically, but what I'm talking about, that it's, it's, a, it's, kind of, it's tangentially related, but not completely. Sometimes I feel like, and I'm Yeah. But that, that knowledge is in fact you think that you have the ultimate knowledge. Mm -hmm. huh. You know, so you're not questioning your we're, we're this this is where we're getting close right now. Simple mm -hmm. ignorance is somebody saying, I don't know. Or somebody realizing that they don't know. What is the cure for this person? Just learn, right? It's very simple. If I don't know, if I'm ill or my throat is hurting, all I have to do is go to someone who can tell me, okay, this is the reason your throat is hurting, and I can, and that's it. That's done. Now, what is compound ignorance? Not going. You think you know, right? You're ignorant. You don't know, but you think you know. And we we see this unfortunately a lot. A lot. We see this a lot. Especially when somebody's car breaks down, right? <laughs> right? Everybody will come and stand around. Everybody will stand around like, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. And what percentage of the people there actually know what they're talking about? Right? It's, it's like, it's, very, it's usually very few. Huh? Or when you're sick. Yeah. Or when you're sick. Right? This, should, this is another one. Ship of risk all over your body. Arms <laughs> broken. <laughs> So you know, there and there are this. This is what compound ignorance is, with having this inability to realize your own shortcomings, to have this inability to realize that okay, you really don't know. What causes this compound ignorance? Why would someone who doesn't know still act like they did? Ego. Ego. And that is one of the biggest preventative things. And this is the segue into the next section. When, when we get through the ayat of the hypocrites, we said that the next section talks about what? Huh? Was it about the cow? Immediately after this. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you just You guys need to pay, pay attention. At the beginning of creation. Right? It, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he immediately moves into the beginning of creation. What does the beginning of creation have to do with munafiqeen? Iblis. What about Iblis? Him denying uh, 
He thinks he knows. Do you, do, you, do you see that? So even though apparently you think they're two different things, right? Two different discussions. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is is, and he ends with this, right? He started with the believers, then he moved to the disbelievers, then he's moved to the munafiqeen. What is the shared character flaw in the munafiq and in iblis? They think we arrogance. Sure. is a very common problem. The fact that you, regardless of the field, right? isn't it amazing how it's universal? <laughs> it's, it's universal. Regardless of the field that you're in, you will always have people who claim they know. And what is the common trait with all of those people? It's the ego. How do you deal with it? Any one of us can suffer from it. So, so the thing is, the spirituality, when it comes to dealing with the ego, when it comes to dealing with the nafs, that is one of our primary enemies, right? The nafs is one of the primary enemies of, of the insan, of the individual, because it's always looking for praise, it's always looking to shine, it's always looking to be inflated. So we're always fighting and trying to putting it, push it down. And sometimes we confuse this, and I, and I know, I, I think, what did I say this yesterday or the day before? There's a difference between loving who I am and loving my ego. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we have difficulty kind of defining who that is and how that is. And even going back to the circle of friends, that I mean, there are a number of, there are, there are spiritual exercises that we can do. Some spiritual exercises, what are some things I can do to deflate my ego? What are some spiritual exercises I can do? I'm sorry? Making a stighfar. How does making a stighfar suppress my ego? Huh? It brings you closer to Allah. How? Like, I mean, it's very important to understand all of these different spiritual exercises. Huh? Okay, I, anybody would argue and be like, every spiritual activity gives you God consciousness. Right? I'm sorry? You remember, okay, remembering death is in a separate spiritual exercise, I would say, but not seeking forgiveness is a specific spiritual exercise. Right, because you were thinking about your mistakes. And when an individual thinks about his mistakes, what happens? Huh? Not well, you make a stifada, absolutely, but, but what is the importance of thinking of our mistakes? Fix it. You, you, you want to fix it? I'm sorry? He evaluates himself. He evaluates himself. And when I, but even even beyond all those things, when I acknowledge that I have mistakes and I have shortcomings, what am I doing? Humble yourself. Right. It, you, you, this brings humility. This brings humility, because what does the ego say, or what does my ego tell me? You guys. Like you don't have any mistakes. Like you're you're good. Perfect. Right. You're perfect. So when you're making a stighfar, what are you remembering? You're remembering all of those shortcomings and how how scummy of a person you actually are. Mm -hmm. 
And that's a great way, and that's a great spiritual exercise to really destroy your ego. Let's use another one that you had mentioned. Remembering death. How does remembering death help suppress my ego? You're nobody. Right, you're gonna die one day. Again, it, it, you know, and like all of these different things that we will we'll talk about, and you know, we can mention a few more just so we have an idea. And why is it, and how is it that these things are meant to suppress the ego? And if you think about it, it's amazing how all of them are connected to that. You know, all of them are connected to suppressing this ego. Because the 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 insan or the human being, we have two major enemies. And what are those enemies? Not the nafs, for sure. And, mm-hmm. and Shaykh I have a, have no. a picture that I want to show it to you. Of, of uh, the nafs? I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> I wish it could be. No, really, it's, it's, it's the human being safe. Uh, you see? We live here. Uh-huh. You saw the picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we live... We all are, yeah, live yeah. here. Subhanallah. And, like, if, if we realize... How insignificant. Yeah, we, we nothing. Allah Akbar. Allah Absolutely. So, uh... So uh, Muhammad, he just showed me a picture of the size of the sun and then all of the other planets. And then he said, you live here. And, you know, it's like a, like this dot, <laughs> you know, of Earth. And even in that dot, like all of us live there. You know, it's not like, okay, you know, just a few. No, no, all of us live there. So, you know, just remembering how insignificant we are, I think that's important. But these certain specific spiritual exercises, I think it's important to kind of focus on them and just use them as examples so we can remind each other why is it that they're there and how do they affect the ego. So we mentioned two, istighfar being one and remembering death being another. What else do we do or should we do actively? Feed the poor. Okay, feeding the poor. All right, feeding the poor, charity, why? How, how is that going to put my ego down? Because you see other people suffer. Yeah. It brings humility and okay. And by, so, so when the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he said, when it came, to, when it comes to spirituality, I should look at who? The one, the one that's spirituality. Oh, spirituality. Yeah, I should look at the one who is above me. Yes. And when it comes to worldly or material possession, I should look at those who are below. And and you guys are absolutely right. The reason that I look at all of the people below me in a material sense is for what? So we don't be thankful. exceed ourselves. Mm. So we're thankful. So that we remember all of the blessings that we have. Yes? What was the hadith where someone came to Pakistan? He said, uh, how can I be um, more humble? And he said, go um, take care of an orphan. Yes. I'm sorry, I messed up the whole thing. No, 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 no. That's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just like, that's, that's the meaning of the hadith. Prophet you know, someone came up to me and said, you know, how can I achieve humility? He said, he said, he said, go touch the head of the orphan. Head of the orphan. Right. Why? Because you know, just by having that that touch and that that intimacy with with these children who have no protectors, right? They have no protectors. They have no support. They have in, when when security we think of the when we, they have no security, nothing. And if we think of the orphan, this orphan has no security. Like there's no one there to take him in. There's no one there to protect him. There's no one there to look out for his interests. You know, they, they have, right, he doesn't have. He does. He's not able to develop any emotional attachment. This this child is cut off from every single avenue, from every single angle. And this is why the Prophet some placed so much emphasis on that. And I, I think that's a great example. What else? What other special spiritual exercises can we do? Uh, take care of your parents. Taking care of our parents. Why? 
how is being obedient, me being obedient to my mother and father, how does that help me suppress my ego? My parents are really good at that, right? <laughs> no, so your your parent. Not all parents do, though. Like you know, they remind you of your shortcomings, etc. I I definitely agree with that. But the thing is, can I guarantee that every parent does that? No. Like, so it has to be another. It has to be something else. Something that we all relate to. Uh, luck. That when we look to our parents and we take care of them, it's a reminder for us that what? That there was a point. Huh? Now, well, there are two things, right? There's a point. I will, I will one day reach that point. Also, what? That when I was, when I was, you know, when I, when I was, when I couldn't walk, when I couldn't speak, when I needed to be fed, when I couldn't even go to the bathroom, right? I had to be taken care of. This is, this is a, a great blow to the ego because it reminds you where you came from. Hmm. What else? Isn't there a hadith where uh, I think it was a Sahaba or someone came up mm -hmm. and said, Who has a right over me? Yeah. Your mother, your mother, your yes. mother, your father. Yeah. That with a nutshell shows you like the importance mm -hmm. of the parent. He could have said something else. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he said, who, who is best deserving or most deserving of my companionship? And the Prophet them said, Your mother. He said, Then who, Ya Rasulullah? He said, Your mother. Huh? Yeah, I mean, mashallah, I mean, you have a lot of great stories, you know, about all these things. A man came to Ibn Umar, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know, he had, he had there, was a, there was a person on his back. And he said to Ibn Umar, he's like, you know, this is my mother. I brought her by foot here to make tawaf, and, I, you know, to complete the rites of Umrah. Have I fulfilled her right upon me? And meaning, have I given my favor back? And what did he say to her? Not only did he say no, what did he say? He said, he said not even one. He, so he, he showed him his cuticle. And he said, you haven't even paid her back this much. Yeah, amazing. Like, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. And, and something that these, these things and these messages, they really put an individual in his place. You know, they really put an individual in his place. And there's one, there's one big spiritual exercise that I really was hoping that you guys would miss, that you would mention, but here you you missed out. So, yeah, these are all obligations. These are all good, and we can we can talk about those. But there's one, very important one. All all of these are good. That's fine. Crying. Dua. Crying. Dua. Making dua. Huh? Like making dua for yourself, and even with your parents or without your parents. I'm just saying, just making dua itself. This is one of the strongest spiritual exercises that a person can do to suppress his ego. Why? Because it reminds him that he needs, he needs from somebody. Allah. He needs from somebody. Allah. Dua is the greatest reminder that we are completely incapable. Dua is the greatest reminder that we have the ability to do nothing. We're useless. This is one of the greatest reminders and one of the greatest things to destroy the ego. Because even the ego itself, I can't even do anything about it. Except if I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and, and these, these are all great, I mean, all of the things that you guys mentioned are wonderful, really. I mean, these are, these are great exercises. But in, and if you actually sit down and you think about some of the reasoning behind them, they really can have a meaningful impact on all of our lives. What can somebody no. like say, yeah. say, when you eat with the board, uh -huh. that's make you very humble. When you eat what? With the board. Oh, when you eat with the poor? Yeah, I mean, these, these are all great, you know, different act, uh, activities and exercises that, that people can do. Like, you know, eating with the poor, um, sitting with orphans, even, sometimes even talking with children, going to, going to a cancer hospital, you know, going to a hospice. You guys know what a hospice is? It's, it's, literally, a, it's literally a place where people go to die. Literally. <coughs> you know, or go, even going to a hospital. Going to going to handicapped schools. I mean, you're talking about people who 30, 40 years old have no control over their bowel movements, have no control over anything. They had no mental awareness. Well, all of these things, man, all of these things, they really make you think. And, and it, if you have, if you give in tawfiq. If Allah subhanahu wa taala blesses you, otherwise there are people who work with all of these different groups of people their entire life. And it has zero effect on them. They're useful. Huh? I mean, you, 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 you say it, it just becomes, you know, it just becomes part of their life. Or they, they have no spiritual, in, you know, interest in it. Some they, people, they got, some yeah. people they work with them, they yeah. feel it. Yeah, yeah. And some people not. And some people don't. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, Allah subhanahu wa taala, He only this sets a blessing from Him. He only gives tawfiq to a select group of people. He doesn't give tawfiq to everyone. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa taala, give us all tawfiq. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, how does tawfiq come? Tawfiq comes from the individual who strives for it. And I, I know sometimes it's, it's a bit, it's a little challenging. And one could argue that the person is working is taking care of the people that are orphans and what have you. Absolutely. So now this leads us to another question: <coughs> What is the recompense, or what is the reward? for the one who does good in this world, for this world, and the one who does good in this world, for the next world. The Lord in this world, hmm? they will be rewarded. They'll world. get rewarded in this world. And the one that's looking forward to Akhira, uh -huh. he'll get rewarded in the next world. Very simple. So, meaning, sometimes we, we, when we think of reward, we always think of some type of financial compensation, right? Like this is how this is how we are. We're like you know humans are built like this. Like I did something good, so now I deserve. <laughs> I, I deserve money. I need a promotion. Right, I need a promotion. Right, anything. Some kind of world. There has to be like a worldly achievement chart. Right, did you just make that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so there has to be like a worldly chart that we are always trying to achieve one thing or the next. But what are some things that maybe we don't think about as much? And if we look at the, the look at the disbelievers and look at the people who are non-Muslim, what are some things that can get a person can get out of working with the disabled or working with the hospital or working with this. What are some things that they will be given in this world that other people we other people other non-Muslims don't have? So a sense of satisfaction. And having that sense of satisfaction, that is more valuable to a lot of people than than, ever, than, not, than other things. But because they they strove for this world, they will get satisfaction. In this world. <coughs> so, th this is something that's it's important to keep in mind. 
that tawfiq is given to the one who strives for it and the one who does not strive for it he will get a reward for that depending on his intention because in, another thing is an intention um, without straying too far intention has a, a huge effect intention has a huge effect on the individual, on the community, on the world around him. So right now, what, what is probably what is the most successful country in the world right now? China. Successful. America. America. I mean, very simply, America is the most successful country in the world. Why? Because of Trump. Because no, no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but. It's, it's, <laughs> because of the wall. No. So why? <laughs> huh? Because, right. Because because of the intention that you go behind. Now, and I'll say if you take if you take a step back, if you go up to any police officer, you go up to any teacher, you go up to a fire a, a fireman, you go to the government, right? Local government. You go into the zoning board. You go to these people. Why is it that we don't have a huge percentage of people who are cheating? Or a huge percentage of people who are, who are taking advantage. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, even the laws. Other countries don't have laws. No. The, the implementation. Who's implementing the laws? The people. Why? What is making a person who is sitting here in the United States of America implement the laws, and a person who is sitting in the middle of Russia not implementing the law? What is the difference? Right. So what do we call that? Futurism. We call it, even simpler than that. Is, is this not is this not a form of sincerity? Right, because sincerity, we, sometimes we, we misunderstand sincerity and and we think that okay to be sincere it has to be for Allah. Yes, in the shah, in the Sharia, in Islam, absolutely, a hundred percent. I agree with that. But can a person be sincere to other things? Can he be sincere to his wife? Can he be sincere to his job? Can he be sincere to his country? Is that possible? Yes. And look at the effect of that sincerity. Look at the effect of it. Right now, it's 1.30 a.m. We're sitting down. The front door is completely unlocked. Half of the cars outside are unlocked. Even if somebody left their keys in the ignition, I honestly don't think there would be an issue. Huh? You went and grabbed your wallet. Right? That's, that, that might, that, that's probably a smart move, though. So... But the, I mean, the reality is, okay, why? You know, why does that happen? What is going on? Because the people are are sincere, and if you go to places that are high in crime, and you talk to the local population, what what is the common thing that you find? That those same people, they're they're not. It's, it's not fear. So you talk to some of the people who are there, and not necessarily everyone, but the people who are working in that particular area, they're they're not. They're, Regardless of the reason, that's I'm not I'm not here to talk about the the reasons behind it, and I'm not talking you know, okay the system is like that and it pushes it towards it, whatever that I'm, that's that's another discussion for another time. I'm talking about the people who are either overseeing, the people who are involved, the people who are supporting. They're just not sincere. Versus other places where you have that peace, you have that security, you have growth, you have sincerity. And this is something that's really important. I mean, just look at the effect. It, it's not even spiritual. You know? These people are doing it strictly for a worldly goal. Strictly. 
and look at the result that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes. And with this goes back to the hadith of the Prophet and it's he he sallallahu alayhi wasallam he spelled it out as clear as day to, to us. Every action is judged by its intention. So whoever's intention for his Allah and his messenger, it is for Allah and his messenger. And look at listen to the last second part of these. Woman kana hijratuha that whoever migrates for a dunya we purpose, for a worldly purpose, or for a woman, then what is his hijra for? What is his migration for? It is for that purpose. Meaning that he will get what he sought. So again, being sincere to Allah, yes. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demands from us as Muslims. But look at even the people who are sincere in whatever it is that they do. Even in a worldly sense, look at the effect it has. And and I say that us as Muslims, like we are lost. <laughs> like, you know, we, we really are lost. We are not sincere to Allah, nor are we sincere to the dunya. <laughs> and and we've lost we lose both. And here like they sincere to the dunya. I mean at least they're sincere to the and they and they get it, right? Unfortunately, you know, we're, we're not. We're not sincere to Allah. We're not sincere to that. And then we wonder why are we in the state that we're in? You know, we need to quiet down. We need to do this. Like we can't even sit in a simple dars sometimes. It's it's really sad. It really is. Like even like on a, on a much smaller scale. Why? Because why are we coming to the masjid? That's that's the question. Has have, when was the last time each any one of us asked? Before we stepped in our cars, why am I going to the masjid? Am I going? And, and they're having a secondary intention for me to go to socialize, for me to want to meet with my friends. This is fine. All of these things are fine. But we should always have a primary goal and a primary intention before we do things. And if I'm really going to please Allah, there are certain things that are understood that I don't want to do. I don't want to hurt another Muslim. Right? I don't want to bother anyone else. And I really want to go to develop a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I come to the masjid and I step through the door, what do I have to do? I have to renew my intention again. Before I sit down. Because from the time I sat in my car and from the time I got to the masjid, what happens with the heart? <laughs> you know, subhanAllah, it's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he calls the heart there are two words that he uses in the Quran. You guys know the two words for the heart? Huh? Qalb is one, and the other one is Fuad. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he uses the word Qalb, some of the reasonings behind using the word Qalb, because what does Qalb? If I use it, if I put it into a verb form, say Qalaba Yaqlibu, what does that mean? What does it mean? To, turn, to, to flip. And it, isn't it interesting how that's what the heart is called? Why is the heart called something that flips? Because it it's always changing. And even the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi he used to make he used to make this du'a in sujood. He used to make this du'a in sujood, saying, "Ya muqallib al-qulub, 
thabbit qalbi ala dini. O turner of hearts, O turner of hearts, turn my heart toward what? Huh? To being firm on the religion. Because the heart is something that is always turning. And that's why it's so important to constantly renew our, and reanalyze our intention at every step of the way. Because if we are able to maintain that and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us and to make us sincere, well, we'll see a difference in ourselves, we'll see a difference in our family, we'll see a difference in our community. But all it, all it, if you want to fix anything in your life, the first thing you got to fix is this. You know why I, uh -huh. I think? Because we don't know the deen. We don't know not the deen. Uh -huh. We don't know the Quran. So, I, I agree. 100%. We read the Quran uh -huh. every day. Ramadan. No. <laughs> 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 Alhamdulillah, every day, yes. We don't understand it. So, no, we, we really don't. If really, like, from this, I think, all of us here, mm. we know new thing we didn't know before. Mm. Everything from England. <laughs> <laughs> and also we know about Mother Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. You... It's a case, bro. This is a case. This is that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He talks about those who are corrupt And how they don't even feel the corruption And again, one of the main reasons we said for that Is because of this, this ego And then which led us to the whole discussion Of how to really suppress it How to really push it down How to, how to not make it the driving force in our lives Because unfortunately for, for many people, for many people, the ego is the thing that is driving all of our decisions. So, if, if we think, you know, we take, take a step back, and, and I'll close with this, inshallah, because uh, I think we have five minutes left, it doesn't even make sense for me to start the next ayah. But uh, if we actually go back, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَإِذَا أَصَابَهُمْ مُسِيبًا قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ and whenever a calamity strikes them, whenever a hardship strikes them, they say, Inna lillahi wa inna And I think this ayah is, is very important. I think it's misunderstood by a lot. And I think it's a, it's a way that, I think people use this to kind of spiritually abuse other people too. But it's important that we understand what it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here. Meaning that somebody gets into an accident. He gets into a car accident. And he gets out of his car, he's like, man, what am I going to do about my car? And then somebody walks up to him, like, Akhi, just say, Inna lillahi wa inna I don't think that's what he wants to hear, right? <laughs> at, at, at that time. Saying that, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he say in this ayah? He says, وَإِذَا أَصَابَهُمْ مُسِيبًا Meaning what? When a calamity strikes them, or when a calamity strikes that person, قَالُوا إِنَّ لِلَّهِ Who is saying it now? The person who was struck, right? The person who was struck, the, the person who the calamity struck, he's saying it. Can the person, people around him support him? Yes, absolutely. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's very important for us to understand the mentality and the thought process and where that person is. 
Because what can happen is sometimes we will, you can instigate a person to react in a negative way. We have to help him or her bring and come out to that realization of what it is. Now, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use this wording? Why is that important? Why, is, why does he say, Inna lillahi Why is it important and what exactly is going on in the thought process here? There's no doubt. That's the meaning of it, right? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the one that gave this to me and he's the one that can take it, take it away. Just I'm sorry? Yeah. Good. So basically what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, what he's saying here is, listen, any time a calamity strikes, any time a hardship comes, what is the first thing you need to do? Check yourself. Take a step back. Take a proverbial step back. Internalize all of the problem. Realize what the issue is. And then after you realize what the problem is, remind yourself what? That, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one that caused it. And He is the one that can take it away. But all of this is introspection. All of this is self-recognition. All of this is just a way for every single one of us to always to take us a personal step back. Right? You don't push other people on steps. It's a personal step back that, that we all have to take. And when we take that personal step back and when we realize that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that does it, it is much, much more meaningful. It's much deeper than some, you have a whole bunch of people. Because the reality is you can have 10, 12 people coming and be like, you know, and like reminding you this and that. But you in your heart still haven't what? Accepted. You still haven't accepted it because you did not give yourself time to process what the, 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 the difficulty that you are facing that it happened. Because all of us face different type of trials. All of us face different type of difficulties. My, my grandmother, she passed away almost, almost 10 years ago. Even more. I think it's been like 12, 13 years now. To this day, I'm still sad sometimes. To this day. But does this not mean that I don't trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or does this not mean that I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has taken care of her? Does it mean that? No. Yeah, gr- grieving is something that's totally normal. You, know, you can't tell someone, don't be upset, Ekhi. It's you know, Don't be upset, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's not. I, can, I am allowed to be upset. The only thing I'm not allowed to do is what? Huh? I can't, I can't have despair, right? Can I have moments of despair? Yes. But I cannot completely despair in... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is, this is where it becomes an issue. This is where it becomes a problem. So uh, with that, inshallah, we have about 20 minutes until, uh, until salah. I'll end here. Allahu a'lam wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Any questions before? Other than that. I'm sorry? Yeah. It's a very cultural thing. Um, it, it's it's used for any, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says very clearly in the ayah what? Whenever a calamity. calamity strikes. 
What is that? Does he define a specific type of calamity? Well, or he says a calamity? Any type. He said, He doesn't even put that. Well, for Arabic, there's no al. It's musibah. Any musibah. Any calamity. Any misfortune. I lost my cat. Right? And that's Even though that's not something that's necessarily important to you. Well, I really like that cat. You know, like I, I really, you know. So th- these things, calamities, are very subjective and they can vary from person to person. And there are certain cultural elements that have kind of, they're kind of pervasive and they've entered the deen. So they start restricting certain things. Um, and another example is that, okay, like, you know, the, the role of the women in the masjid, for example. It's a very cultural thing. There's no religious, you know, directive that says, okay, this is what women have to do in the masjid, this is what men have to do in the masjid. There's nothing like that. But the, the culture has kind of dictated certain things. And this is a result of the culture. Allah. Anything else? No. Wa sallallahu ala khairi khakunamina. Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sallam. Wa ilmashroob dhalla hu dhalla.